OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Welcome to the Supporters Fund Ask an Angel. I'm your host, Jeffrey Pavan. Let's welcome our investor for today. And that is AJ Malhotra. Thank you very much for joining us today, AJ. Very welcome, Jeffrey. Such a pleasure to be here. Well, we're super excited, not only because you're here today to talk about all the great things you're up to, but we actually get to work with you usually on a monthly basis through York Angels. And I enjoy actually working with you because I think you ask some great questions and you really know how to tackle the startup community. So we're going to get a lot out of today's conversation. So Glad you're here. And maybe the best way for us to start is if you could share a little bit about your background from uh, the comp sci side of things. Uh, I think you've been to many schools. You've done a lot of great things in it. It's, it's amazing. You're kind of like a jack of all trades. You've done a lot of stuff. So I'm excited to share all of that, but maybe a little bit on the background too, on uh, the businesses that you've worked for and now kind of where you're at today with uh, uh, Canada Startup Company. Absolutely. Um, Jack of all usually comes with a caveat, right? It also means master of none. But I think I took my master's pretty uh, early on, right, in terms of getting mastery in one subject. So I used to be one of the leading programmers, in fact, India's number one uh, programmer uh, on Lotus Notes and Dominus. So I was the highest certified person in the country before I left the country. Um, in terms of background, yes, I have my computer science education. I have a bachelor's in commerce as well, a master's in IT. And then I did a couple of courses in artificial intelligence and financial markets from Stanford and Yale. Uh, you know, it's it's been a learning experience. It's been a journey. So what I've always done is really taken on new things and then figured out what I need to learn, you know, what I need to get under my belt to be able to achieve what I need to achieve in that scenario. And that's one of the things I look for in founders too, right? People who are, who have that attitude of throwing their hat over the wall and then figuring out how to climb it. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. Yes. I've worked in a few different countries. I've worked in Malaysia, I've worked in Singapore, I've worked in Seoul, South Korea. I've worked in uh, Washington, DC in Silicon Valley. Um, San Jose, California, and then I've worked in Miami extensively, and now about 12 years in Canada. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> you can't even tell. I swear <laughs> to God, you look like you're 25, 30 years old, but you're carrying oh, no, Jeffrey, well. you're a great liar. <laughs> <laughs> no, the video will prove this. Um, well, so AJ, in, in this experience that you've built up, not only bouncing from different country, working for a lot of big business, and of course, going through and getting educated in all these different sectors, which I love because I'm the same. I just love education. I love learning. And I know the world's trying to change the way we are learning and how you learn and, oh, you don't need a degree. You don't need an MBA. Just go out and get real life experience. I'm, I'm not sure I really believe in that. I really do think that a lot of uh, our habits and a lot of our learning abilities come through education from structured education. It really does help. So now kind of fast forward through the education system um, and you, you've really dived a lot into that comp sci and deep tech. Can you give us a little bit more of an, uh, a better view of when you were working for Motorola, when you're working in these companies, how did that experience really shape to what you're doing today? Oh yeah. So can I agree to disagree on one point though? 
I totally believe that education system, and I actually used to work for a company called NIIT, which was India's largest company, in fact, the world's largest company by the number of people trained. Um, so, and I used to be part of the curriculum development side of the things before I jumped on to being the Lotus Notes expertise side of the things. And one of the things that we realized is education can only build a base, right? And then from there on, you need to leap up to any level of achievement that you want to get. Um, today, we hire a lot of co-op students from University of Waterloo. We actually run a very successful co-op program. And we realized that some of the smartest candidates still do not have specialist knowledge to get stuff done. Right. So, but at the same time, I'll, I'll come to your point as well. But at the same time, um, I am, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in one, what Khan Academy or Sal Khan believes in, which is to avoid Swiss cheese education. You know, so just like Swiss cheese, you have so many holes. So, so the goal is to avoid that, to make sure that you're kind of complete in terms of your education. So I think some form of, um, you know, some form of a degree or some form of a curriculum gives you that complete composure, that complete uh, completeness to your education without Swiss cheese holes in the middle. But at the same time, that thing would just make you uh, well-rounded, so as to say, right? But to be able to make any impact in life, you have to have a sharp edge, right? So you have to develop that edge, right? Um, they're going to they're gonna make you like a blob, well-rounded, and but if you want to chop some wood, you're going to have to sharpen yourselves, right? And, uh, and that edge comes from you becoming a specialist and a super specialist in one domain, right? And that will only happen in industry because, you know, necessity is the mother of inventions and you don't have a necessity to get to that point in education, Right. The job of a university is to get candidates good enough so they can find a job. Right. And uh, so they'll get you good enough to find a job from there on. If your goal is to make a unicorn, if your goal is to, uh, you know, be the best in the world on something, then from there on, it's on you to sharpen the skills. Right. Um, and so coming back to your point of working for a lot of different organizations. So, yes, I mean, I did work for Motorola. I did projects for GE, I uh, worked for Citibank, and I worked for Bank of America. I was a consultant all through and through, so which gave me such a huge amount of diverse experience, right? One of my first projects was with uh, Bank of America, where I actually started my career in selling for Bank of America. Most people don't know that. They think that I have a, more of a tech background, but in the first, four, first two years of my career, I was actually just selling banking products. And uh, Yes, and, and from there on, I, I went on to work for uh, Reserve Bank of India, uh, the Defense uh, Establishment of India, um, and, um, and from there on, uh, Prime Minister's Office of Malaysia, uh, Motorola Innovation Center, G, Citibank, then Applied Materials, then uh, Saratoga Systems. There was a small CRM company in uh, Silicon Valley called Saratoga Systems. I don't think they're alive anymore, uh, but I worked for them. Uh, then worked for Maximus in Washington, D.C., then Export-Import Bank, uh, then Royal Caribbean International. And, um, and from there on, I, had, uh, I, I thought that I was ready at that point uh, to launch my own company. And um, so being in the United States, you had to be very watchful of the visa situation, which, you know, I had a huge amount of difficulty navigating that 
area. And that's why one of the things I'm trying to do now is um, to help as many founders as I possibly can in terms of immigration. And in fact, we're launching a new website called immigrate.ai. So I'm funding that project. We're uh, very close to, in fact, I think, I believe the first alpha release is already out. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty much crappy right now, but, uh, but it's out and it's, it's a way of putting something out there and saying how it works. So very big on making sure that immigrants, first generation, second generation, whosoever it is, right? Any kind of disadvantaged entrepreneur gets a leg up in what they're trying to do. At least they get the foundations correct and they get the networking that they require to make things happen. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much been my journey till now. I love that. And when you, when you talk about in this, what I find fascinating about your background, and of course, a lot of investors is that there's such a, a vast array of angel and VCs that all come from banking. It's almost like it's set in the blood of while you're working in a bank, they're teaching you about startup businesses. They're coming in, they're pitching, they're looking for money. And everybody in a bank seems to just wrap their mind around how uh, a startup or a business works. And then they go on to be investors. I swear everybody I invest has worked at a bank, at, or, or sorry, interview, has worked at a bank at some capacity and works in the investment space, which I love because they understand numbers. They understand how a business works. They get the real raw insight and then they work from there. So that's kind of amazing that and a lot of your background has gone through the bank system uh, from tech or from a business perspective on selling, et cetera, as you mentioned. But I think it does carry so much value uh, in this startup ecosystem uh, when it comes to numbers and, and making investments. Um, and to kind of pull back a little bit on the, um, the baseline for education, uh, I love that you're saying that that is a baseline because what makes a big difference about going to university or college is that you've created that baseline. Your education level has got to this standard, uh, which creates the base. And then if you're going to be something bigger, better, you're going to have to educate yourself. You're going to have to go to that master's. You're going to have to go take all of this learning that you're going to do through TED Talks and everywhere else you're going to go. That's on you to build up your specialty and become that security expert or become that banker. All of that information has to come from your drive to execute and get something to completion. So I wholeheartedly agree with that, that there's such a big room after you finish that baseline. Exactly, exactly. And it's important to finish that baseline, right? We very recently hired a programmer who claimed to be pretty good on VR technologies, but he had just finished high school, right? And, and guess what? Despite his level best in terms of attention and effort and, uh, and potential, he could not achieve as much because the baseline was not there. Right. But at the same time, when we get people from, uh, you know, from Waterloo's uh, bachelor's programs and master's programs in computer science, the base is there. Right. So even if they're struggling on one thing or the other, it probably takes a couple of hours to help them out and get them going on it because the foundation is there. Right. So it's very important, as you correctly pointed out. They become a lot stronger on uh, cr uh, creating and solving problems, whereas where they if they don't have that baseline, their problem solving um, may take longer or just not being able to understand all the different components that go into troubleshooting. So uh, I think it does, uh, it really, that baseline really creates a lot of people that now can figure out how to work with other people. They can be practical, they can be technical, uh, they can just dive into things. And I think that makes a big difference. So uh, I'll that's just pretty give exciting. You, I'll give you a very quick example, right? So one of the 
sprint planning meetings that I was in, and I'm very technical, so I love to geek out, right, with uh, with the developers. And um, so I remember one of the architects was pointing out the fact that we were using a pre-order traversal algorithm. It's a mouthful, I know, but he's like, we're using that and that comes with an update anomaly. So what we're now doing is switching over to my SQL version 8 point something because that has recursive queries built in. And, um, you know, so most people with a computer science background said, ah, that makes sense. So how are you maintaining pre-order tree traversal? And he said, I had a left and a right field and you know, and those were causing the, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I understand. And I remember this guy who's extremely sharp in his domain and he was there, but he didn't have the fundamental basic level of education. And he's literally like scratching his head and saying, do I say something and look stupid or do I just not say anything at all? Right? For sure. So yeah, you're right, hundred percent. Get get your foundation, get a strong foundation. But remember, it's just a foundation. It's just a plateau. From there on, it's your ability to move hard and fast. And you mentioned something else that's um, pretty interesting to dive into. And and you kind of alluded to. You kind of have to after you have that baseline, you have to build the structure of execution or how to keep propelling yourself forward. So. I think I'm, when I look at founders and, and you kind of alluded to this, you have this criteria that you're looking for about how a founder should work or the things that they should do. How high on the list is execution to you um, when you're looking at a founder? It's all about execution, Jeffrey. I mean, people say, oh, I have an idea. I have a really brilliant idea. And I think uh, it's, it's a million dollar idea or a billion dollar idea. And I tell you, ideas are worth exactly what you can sell them for right, which is zero if it's just an idea. The rest is all execution that piles up on it. Uh, it's it's 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration. Inspiration is that idea. The rest, 99% is the execution. So 99 I mean, to I, one. I have huge respect for, uh, for managerial talent who bring execution discipline into an organization. I have a huge respect for sales talent, which adds to the bottom line of the organization. I think, you know, Google is, and I'll get into an example here. So I'll, for the audience, I'll uh, specify why I'm bringing in Google, right? Everybody talks about the fact that the smartest people in the world kind of go and work for Google. Okay? But why is it that still today, 96% or 98% of Google's revenue comes only from search engine advertising? right? They've had a decade, 15 years, they haven't been able to create a single secondary source of revenue, right? Because they geek out and they respect geeks, but they do not respect people who could bring sales, who could bring traction, who could bring execution discipline. And I think those factors are important, right? I mean, look at Google, even doing the pixel phones, they try to just basically stay in the shadows of uh, Apple, right? So it's always Apple going ahead and launching something next, next, next. And Google said, oh, shit, we were left behind. Let's do something good enough to get there, right? And, and, and that's one of the things that I look for in founders, right? Are these guys going to, and why do I look for? Because primarily most businesses that are there today are the types that winner takes all approach is required in those businesses, Right. So I look for a person who's going to have that execution discipline to be in like the 24th mile and then still keep putting all the energy in. Right. And that's what's required. Uh, you know, you're, you're there. 
you you literally feel like you're winning but still you're beating you know you're kind of competing with yourself so you could say that i want to be even better i want to be even better right and um and to some extent it's borderline between uh some kind of psychological uh i don't even think of those things but like so i wouldn't know the names but some somewhere almost borderline where you could say hey this person is a psychopath but uh, but some amount of that is required to bring that execution discipline i love that you say that because my uh, i was i was uh, told that i shouldn't use that term which is i look for psychopathic or psychotic founders uh, so i had to change that and i now look for founders that have an extra gear they've got that sixth gear everybody's working on five and they've got this extra gear that they can just kick it in and that helps them just keep getting stuff done just keep plowing forward um, i think they it was um uh when they looked at kobe bryant and um a, a lot of the superstars they said they just have one extra gear they can be out playing but they just have that one gear that you just don't have and that's what i look for in a founder is that they have that gear and it sounds like that's the same thing that you're looking for which is that psychotic or um a little bit of the uh crazy side but that crazy side is just that they have this other gear to hit that 24 hours or hit that extra mark that's going to bring them over and above on thinking and execution in their business yeah yeah i remember i invested very early on i invested in a founder where i went on a hike with some of these founders and um and this person was almost a psychopath in the sense that you know we were in a very long hike as everybody got tired this person started demonstrating you know maybe he didn't get tired but at least he started demonstrating the fact that he was not tired at all and he made everybody felt even more miserable <laughs> right and and trust me i mean i got i got about 12x back from him right so you know and that's what you need when everybody else is getting tired could you still keep going on could you um, yeah it's it's all about execution it's all about getting shit done yeah i love that i love that uh and and you're right it's when you hit that extra gear so many more things can happen and more people get behind that because then that starts to drive out scaling it starts to upside the business uh investors um people that are buying into it people that are reading about it they start to see that this has such fast legs and that they need to be part of that and then herd mentality jumps in and everybody wants to be part of that so uh, that's some that's some great insights um no now that you know these businesses and you're you're making investments you decided to kind of jump more into this space uh, you talked a little bit about how you're working with um bipoc uh, it, uh, bringing in immigration and helping them get into startups or even get into um country working on startups can you give us a little bit more understanding of how that process works and how you guys are kind of reinventing how that space is going to look because it's something that's obviously coming up really close to uh uh being pushed to market that you're working on absolutely you know one of the things that happened with me personally is um i was in the united states and i was getting my h1s renewed and all of that stupid process right i mean that thing feels like a never ending uh, loop of things and then every so often you would need to fly out of the country get your visa stamped come back there was that huge sense of instability and then uh, you know one of these years we were coming back i believe it was 2007 uh, or 2008 uh, 
yeah, we were flying back from uh, France. And uh, so me and my wife decided, you know, we're going to celebrate Valentine's in France this time. We went there, had such a good time in Paris. And then we're flying back into the Miami airport. And this guy pulls us over and says, son, I'm not sure I can let you in the country. Right? And at that point, I had a successful business there. I had employees there. I had a house there. I had dogs there. Right. And uh, and that just scares the crap out of you. Right. You, you feel like, oh, my God, like, you know, I'm somebody could literally pull the rug underneath my feet. And so we, uh, you know, at that point, we decided that we needed something stable first. And and then is when we uh, looked at Canada and we moved into Canada. And Canada gave us that uh, really beautiful foundation of uh, a first world country, a social safety net, and uh, and a fairly easy immigration process. Right and straightforward immigration process. In the United States, I literally spent a hundred thousand dollars or more on lawyers and processes, and you know I have like a huge bunch of just notice for actions. Right, seven nine sevens, one four zeros, four eighty fives, you name it, it's all there. Uh, so, so one of the things that I decided to do a few years ago when I saw some founders struggle with that thing in Canada. So my personal experience was it was so seamless, so beautiful that I didn't think anybody would struggle with it. But a few years ago, I noticed that people were struggling with it, and especially with the startup visa process. And uh, and this was very close to my heart. I'm, I'm a very innovative person. I like to always work on new things. And these were people who I believe were creating the next set of businesses. And so I wanted to really help and support them. And I realized that the visa process was really hurting quite a lot of them. It was long, it was arduous, it was very expensive to go through a lot of lawyers. And, uh, and at that point, I decided to jump into it. And as I jumped into it, I realized that I could streamline some of that. And a lot of people absolutely love that. And then down the line, we realized that there was some education component that was missing as well. So now we're in the process of launching what we believe the world's most comprehensive education program for startups um, as, as an acceleration program. Uh, we call it Carmel Line, which is uh, you know the name of the uh, virtual line at 100 kilometers above Earth, right, where space really starts. And uh, so, so that's that's what we're up to, uh, you know, hoping to provide them the right education, the right mindset, the right understanding of the market, the right connections here to make sure they can really flourish. Um, you know, our, our goal, and we keep our money where our mouth is, uh, we reinvest literally all the dollars that we make in consulting. We go ahead and make sure that every company that we're bringing in, we have an ownership stake in them. So we're not like regular law firms doing consulting. We take a stake in every one of them. And our goal and hope is to grow at least a few unicorns from there. You know, we believe that Canada has about a 37 million uh, population. And uh, and I I can be pretty sure that a country like Iran or a country like India has more than 37 million programmers there, right? So just because of the population dynamics, right? I mean, a large city in India is the same as Canada's entire population, right? So, um, you know, so our hope and dream and goal is to be able to import quite a few of the good programmers, quite a few of the good founders into Canada and help them build uh, the next set of businesses, right? I mean. And make no mistake, right? People make mistakes saying that, hey, TD has always been here, BM has always been here. And, and they look at those businesses and they think that 
past performance is an indicator of the future, which it never is, right? The average lifetime of a business on S&P 500 is 16 years. The average price earning ratio, I believe today would be 28 or something. So which means you're paying 28X today for the hope that they even survive 28 years, but on an average, they're gonna survive 16 years. So at this point, Canada or us as a country needs to start laying down the ground foundation. You know, we gotta start planting the seeds in and that's why it's called seed investment, right? So we gotta start planting the seeds in to make sure we can grow the oak trees for the next 15, 20 years. I love that. And I think that's a fantastic initiative to, to build up in a sector that um, Canada is deemed as being stronger in. And uh, it's great that you're being able to bring talent into the country that's going to be able to be that next generation of uh, not only founders, but uh, employees, teams, um, investors, inventors that are going to really help drive uh, the country forward into the, to the next millennial. But that's, uh, that's pretty exciting uh, to hear. Um, now, I guess, taking that, is that broad? Is that any country? You mentioned India and Iran. Is that just those two countries or are you kind of opening this up to... Uh, any country that's looking to uh, find uh, great talent and immigrate? Any country. We're open to the entire world. We've had some very successful founders from China. We've had some very uh, successful founders from United States. Um, in fact, you know, the prime reason that I started this off was a founder from UK. Right. And uh, so, yes, we've had founders from all over the world and a lot of them are doing real cutting edge, fabulous work where, you know, where my, my thinking is that some of these guys would actually build the unicorns for tomorrow. These guys would actually build the new banks, which would potentially replace TD or BMO. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate. I'm very driven about it because I, I could see that happening. I love it. No, that's very exciting. And this kind of makes me think that while you're kind of bringing in all this great talent, where does this fit for and in the eye of uh, using AI and machine learning, where do you see this technology changing? Do you think that bringing in this great talent into Canada is gonna make us stronger, better, uh, even more competitive against uh, the Silicon Valleys of the world or the Switzerland's and the Sweden's and the Finland's where they're doing a lot of phenomenal things in Europe? Uh, where do you see this all fitting together? Um, so, you know, as an investor, we always have to speculate every day, right? And we get very good at it. So you look at a company and you start speculating. So they they are telling them they're telling you your their time and their forecast, but your mind's already racing ahead and saying what could they potentially capitalize on? How much would they be worth in five years, right? So we get very good at it. So needless to say, we always keep doing it. Uh, to the audience, please take it with a pinch of salt. It's just my opinion, but my my thinking or my vision that I've drafted out or or my kind of view of what's going on to happen. I believe that uh, CRM and ERP systems ate, uh, you know, a huge portion of, of manufacturing slack out, right? So they literally chew the fat out of all of those processes. The reason we haven't had massive inflation despite tons of QE and tons of money printing is because our manufacturing processes have gotten leaner, leaner and smarter and there's been just in time and all of that innovation that's happened in that area, right? But at the same time, these systems were able to do that, but they were not able to do anything for services. So prices in terms of services has been rapidly climbing, right? And average lawyer used to be worth about $20 an hour. Now they're about $400 an hour. 
right? So I think artificial intelligence where people feel, people do not agree with this most often, but I think what artificial intelligence is going to do is going to bring that level of efficiency and cost reduction in services, right? And, and, and that's, I think, the next, uh, next big set of companies, right? So they will they will go ahead and achieve that. But beyond that, I think I think we could capitalize this in the next five to ten years. By the time we have some form of artificial general intelligence coming in, and then beyond that, I think it'll be really at that point the artificial general intelligence is slightly smarter than an average human being. So you would let it provide more services and more information, right? Immigrate.ai is a great example that system's been able to digest about 5 million different documents to be able to spit out uh, what you should look for out of the 100 different immigration programs of Canada and where your probabilities would be higher, right? I'll be hard pressed to find a single lawyer in the country, maybe there will be one, but not a lot of them who would know all of that information. Right. So, so the ability of AI to be able to assimilate all that information and then be able to spit that out really rapidly and, and learn very effectively, I think would, would cause the same implosion in prices that ERP and CRM and just-in-time caused in products. Right? And at that point, Canada or any country would need to be focused not on services, but on innovation. Right? We used to calculate the economies of most countries in terms of agriculture output. That was primarily the largest part of GDP. And then from there, it moved over to manufacturing. From there, it moved over to services. Now it's very rapidly moving over to innovation. Right? You're going to have to create new things. You're going to have to bring something into existence that was not in existence before. And... Uh, yeah, and, and I think the moment we jump into innovation at that point, one of the areas that's been very much behind the curve is the entire synthetic biology, uh, life extension. Um, I was reading some material off lately. Where is it? Uh, Lifespan. Uh, it's a book there. I'm yet not done with it fully, uh, but the concepts are that uh, an average human can very easily live to about 180 years, and the theoretical maximum on your life is about 800 years, right? So we do have those as the next few items we could look at. I love that, and and I guess to, to unroll that a little bit, innovation is so impactful to the GDP, to your comment, that they estimate that 50% of the GDP growth is associated with innovation. So that's only going to keep increasing. So that is such a significant change in how they used to monitor it to how they're monitoring it today. And, and I think that uh, on the Canadian side, there's certainly a, a lot of opportunity for innovation to move forward. Um, I don't remember the gentleman's names, but a 1967, they wrote a paper and they said, where does Canada want to be in, in the 2000s? And they came back and said, we are going to be management. We're going to be the thinkers and we need to shape the economy to go to that state. So people are going to employ Canadians to go all over the world to help them build and grow their economies. And, you know, that's how the markets changed and it has to keep going that way, which is all around innovation. So hopefully we've been able to prove that and continue to grow that model out as, as you shared, because it makes a big difference and it's a huge impact today on, on how our GDP is going to move forward and immigration is going to play a big role in that. Absolutely. I mean, as, 
as global warming happens, which is going to happen, right? The North passages are going to open up. People don't realize how close we are to Russia there. So uh, we will have to defend our territory. And uh, with the population of 40 million, we cannot defend this land. So, um, you know, you're gonna need, and, and your military force is a factor of your GDP as well. So you're gonna have to grow your GDP at least two, two and a half times. You're gonna have to grow your population two, two and a half times. I can't see Canada being able to defend our coastal territory without a population of at least a hundred million people. Right? That's yeah. a it's, very interesting point. And you're right that, it, that we have a, a very vast um, area of land um, which is underpopulated, but in cities, they're saying we're overpopulated. So I guess in terms, there's a lot of outside growth that can occur, but it's to support the economy, it's to support the growth, but even eventually it could be just supporting the country for uh, um, other means as well as the, the world continues to shift and change. Absolutely. I mean, China is getting stronger. Russia and China uh, you know, do have a lot of economic, uh, uh, you know, benefits or ties with each other. And, um, and, and Russia has always been a little bit of an aggressive if you look at their entire history, right? So, so you're gonna, uh, you know, you, you, you prepare with the hope that you never have to go to battle. But if you don't prepare, then there's a good chance that you have to go to battle. For sure. And you can't always lean on everybody else. And that battle could be just the battle of brains, which is around innovation and who's the smarter, quicker, faster uh, country to be able to maneuver and, and make things happen quicker. So, um, but on that, I'm going to kind of shift a little bit. And what question I want to dive into is what are the, you know, we mentioned before the one major thing that really interested you about execution and that really drives you about making investments. Are there maybe three or four top level things that you can share that you look for when making an investment? Um, you know, I literally the T7 of venture capital that everybody looks at, right? The team, technology, traction, TAM. Um, so I go through that too, but you know, I always go back to the same founder that I was telling you about where he delivered 12X versus I lost quite a few different investments, which every angel loses quite a few, right? I mean, that's the right passage. So, uh, and I, I remember the one thing unique about him was when everybody else will stop, he will still keep going. So I always typically look at the Energizer Bunny, right? So it just keeps on going. And uh, that's my number one thing to look at. The second thing that I look for is I never invest in companies who uh, do not have a tech partner or do, who do not have a partner who's actually going to manage the deliverable, delivery part of it. Right. So if I'm investing in a biotech company and they do not have a guy who can actually whip up the miracle, uh, whatever they're selling, I'm not investing in it. Right. Because you would never invest in a restaurant that does not have its own kitchen, would you? Okay. So, so yes, you know, that's my second uh, kind of biggest point. And I think I'm able to disqualify about 99% of the companies with just these two criteria. Um, you know, number one, uh, the, you know, the guy has their own kitchen. And number two, the fact that is, are the two, three founders energize their bunnies? Could they just keep going on and on and on? Because at the end of the day, look, you know, they're going to have to fight the world. They're going to have to outwork everybody else. That's the execution discipline, right? The rest, most of the stuff you could teach them as long as they're coachable. Uh, agreed. Agreed with that. And I like the analogy. And, and uh, I guess I could put a, um, a bit of a tire iron in that is that 
today, there are a lot of ghost kitchens that are coming up and there are a lot of places that are working that way. So I do one heartily agree that in order for that to be successful, you need these things, but with innovation and change um, and turning things into cookie cutter, uh, you know, nowadays you can have somebody that's writing no code and they're still being able to build a, uh, a 10 million, $100 million business off of no code. Uh, so the, there is some risk level of trying to understand and uh, where the world changes to it. It's also looking at, and I think we were on a call where someone was pitching and their founders were spread all over uh, two continents. Uh, they didn't have an office and they were uh, raising funds. And in your mind, you're saying, how does this work? Like, am I putting the money here that goes in the US? And where is the revenue recognized? And who owns this entity? Uh, is this someone I want to invest in? But that's the world we live in. So it's now trying to pair in uh, all of these changes in deciding how impactful is that going to be to make money that company? And can I get on board with that? You're 100% right. I mean, um, the world's changing, right? And change is the only constant we got. The fact, though, is that a few companies will actually end up capitalizing on that change. But no-code and low-code frameworks make it much easier to get the job done, right? And I haven't yet found a company that took something which was very easy to do that a lot of other people could do and make a unicorn out of it. Right. Very true. So, so I, you know, so a few of them would be successful, right. By yep. the time everybody else catches on. So my goal will always be to invest in stuff. That's extremely hard to do uh, that. Not a lot of people in this world can do potentially. And, um, and thereby, I think my odds of success would be that little bit higher. Right? I love it. I love it. That's great. And I totally agree with that. Uh, the people that got to work the hardest are the ones that find their way to success. It takes a little bit longer, but uh, they got to put a little bit more into it. But at the end of the day, if it was easy, everybody would do it. You know, during the, during your, you know, 20, 30 years, so you've been working in uh, with big tech now working in startups. I always like to get this heartfelt story about kind of what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And maybe you can share a story or, uh, that, you know, you've kind of seen where, you know, she or he as a founder really just totally blew your mind away on what it takes and, and how amazing it is to be an entrepreneur. And maybe you have a story that uh, pops in mind that you could share with, uh, with the community. Absolutely. I mean, I, I met this one entrepreneur in Goa, India, of all places. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, again, had the, had the few key characteristics that I look for, right? Extremely hardworking, extremely technical right so he could basically take a thing apart but wasn't getting much success anywhere right and uh, and those are the kind of individuals that i would look at supporting and uh, and i remember that you know we we supported him at that point to get his first version out there um you know the next i heard from him he was selling the product in new york and uh, he'd landed a few big accounts in new york uh, then, unfortunately, the whole uh, COVID situation caused some of the stuff to shut down in New York. He had opened up, um, uh, you know, a mechanism of being there permanently on an H-1B visa or something like that, where he was employed by his own company, and, you know, some legal way of doing it, uh, which he had to now get back uh, to his roots. So now we're looking at bringing him into Canada instead and saying, you know what, a more stable, more equitable foundation. And, uh, uh, but, but, you know, taking somebody who was struggling and, and, you know, considering himself as a misfit in the 
culture and the atmosphere and then giving them the leverage that they're actually able to go to top tier firms and uh, and and this was in the digital advertising space so going to top tier digital advertising firms in new york and selling them their product very happily uh, you know that's one of the things that comes to my mind so it's a it's a great story so he he was able to overcome the barriers uh, that were kind of thrown in front of him and then shift and keep using that uh, accelerated sixth gear and driving himself forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there were, oh my God, there were so many things that went wrong. Um, you know, I, I can't even tell you like, you know, everything and anything went wrong in that business and it goes wrong in every business. Right. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I learned from one of the mentor of mine was, Hey, listen, the first day you get sued is, is not that you did something wrong, but think of it like you've achieved something. <laughs> no, now you're worth being sued. So um, yeah, so as you grow your business, anything and everything will go wrong. Uh, that's where the sixth gear kind of comes in, right? You just keep going, you keep going, regardless, you keep going. No, oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, someone told me once that when you're getting sued, that was you earning your stripes. And uh, I looked at it and said, you know, four times I'm getting, this is ridiculous. So <laughs> Uh, I don't want to earn any more stripes. It's time to do business. So uh, I, I do get it. It's a, it's a part of life, but it's also how you persevere and overcome adversity and drive forward and, and do it in a clear thinking way, right? And I think that makes a big difference on the potential and the opportunity that's going to be in front of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. This world's not made by people who gave up. It's made by people who kept going, right? Love that. So if you if you are the kinds that will give up, then you're not getting my money. And I think you're not getting JP's money either. I have to get you to repeat that line. I got to write that one down. That's awesome. Yeah. So the world's not made by people who gave up. The world's made by people who kept going. Yep. I, I, uh, I write down every single line that I think is... Uh, amazing and then that way i can reference it later so that's a great line so uh you've not you've made it into my uh excel spreadsheet of awesome lines <laughs> thank you jp yeah that's brilliant okay good all right now we're going to transition into uh the rapid fire side of things sure go ahead. all right so uh in the rapid fire just pick um one or the other it's uh it's pretty straightforward okay first question founder or co-founder Co-founder. Unicorn or four-year, 10 times exit? Four-year, 10 times exit. Tech or CPG? Tech. Brand, sorry, brand or tech? Yeah, I mean, tech. AI or blockchain? AI. First-time founder or two, three-times founder? Double failed founder. Okay, well, that's a good twist. I like that. Uh, first money in or Series A? First money in. Angel or VC? Angel. Board seat or observer? Board seat. Safe or convertible note? I've done both. Uh, obviously, as investors, our preference is a convertible note. Okay. Lead or follow? Follow. Equity or interest payments? Equity. Favorite part of investing? 
speculation and ideation. I like that speculation. Uh, number of companies invested per year? Uh, close to 15. Brilliant. Uh, preferred term, any preferred terms that you like? Um, right of first refusal. Okay. Uh, vertical of focus? Um, as I mentioned, AI for right now. And then, um, you know, the next evolution, which would be my personal evolution as well, getting into biotech. Love it. Uh, well, we already talked about what things pop out of the startups and you mentioned two things, so we won't go into that. All right, now we're going to go into the personal side. So oh. uh, one thing about you that nobody would know. Uh, crazy, man. Uh, so I um, have been fired three times for being an overachiever. <laughs> all right that's my first time hearing that that's brilliant okay the first yeah. company fired me because i uh, would stay till late and study and they couldn't understand why was that so they thought that i was wanting i was unhappy with that job and wanted to switch um six months later i was the highest qualified person in that particular domain and and their team came to me for training um second time i got fired because i was given a in my opinion, almost a clerical job of manipulating data and publishing it. And I had written code to entirely automated. Didn't realize that uh, I was shooting myself in my own foot. Uh, <laughs> and, and the third time I got fired was in Washington DC where uh, I, I wrote an access control system for an ERP, which they didn't understand. So, <laughs> so I was told, couldn't you write simple code? Why do you have to do magic? And I, you know, I wasn't fired, fired, but I realized that it wasn't, it was time to move on from there. Right. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Great story. Great story. Okay. Book or movie? Book. Superman or Batman? Oh man. Wow. Batman fights crime. Pizza pop or ice cream bar? Uh, ice cream bar any day. Five minutes with Bezos or Oprah? Five minutes with Bezos. All right. Yeah. Arsenal or and Manchester United? sadistic laughter and smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The sadistic laugh. I like that. Uh, Arsenal or Manchester United? Um, I'm, I'm not into sports at all. So Okay. All right. Yeah. So that one the, won't work. You know, I'm, I'm more a believer of doing shit your own selves. So I am not a spectator kind of a guy. That's probably yeah. what you gathered from me wanting a boat seat too, uh, but not wanting to do a little bit of hard work in terms of leading the round. Uh, but I, you know, very few people know that I used to be a national level table tennis player. So I like to play, but I don't like to watch. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. You can be an inaugurated Arsenal fan. I've been looking for Arsenal fans, so that's good. All right. Uh, bike or rollerblades? Bike. Trophy or money? Uh, trophy. Beer or wine? Beer. Alarm clock or mobile phone? Mobile phone. Hotel or hostel? Hotel. Uh, king or rich? King or rich, as if they're not synonymous. Um, rich, yeah, comes with less liability. <laughs> Yeah, less things you have to do. 
Yeah, social uh, pretense, right? So less social pretense. Yeah. Is Trump an A or a B on his efforts? Donald Trump, you mean? Oh, sorry, I meant to say Trudeau. Trump was another question that I was avoiding. Okay. Trudeau, is he an A or a B on his efforts to date? I give him an A. I love this guy. So I, I think, um, yeah. Can it get better? It can get better. Does it get usually a lot better than this? It doesn't. Okay, I like it. The other question was, does Trump go to jail for his tax, all his tax evasion? Yes or no? Who won would you imprison for tax evasion? I mean, you know, Trump's one of many, many, many. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I just avoided the question because I was like, eh, I'm tired of Trump. So I just took the question out, uh, which is all good. Um, all right, we're almost there. It was so, you know, even though I'm a diehard um, liberal, in which case in the United States term, it makes me a Democrat. But, you know, somehow I still feel that a lot of agenda that Trump brought forward was actually fairly good for that country. You know, they have been losing out in trade talks. They have to get smarter and wiser about what they need. Um, you know, do I believe in people wearing, uh, you know, white dresses and conical hats? No, I don't. But uh, but I think a lot of their agenda was uh, was kind of good for the country. It did shake things up. I think the question I should have is without Trump, has life become boring? <laughs> because he uh, seemed to it, became boring, of... it became boring without George W., I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did that as well. Yeah. He did that as well. Um, okay. I when he would get lost halfway in a sentence and he'll go like, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, and then he'll get lost. He'll be like, what do I have to say next? Then he'll say, no, you basically cannot fool me twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should have wrote half this stuff down. It would have made life a little bit easier for him. <laughs> uh, it's all good. Um, all right, so favorite movie, and what character would you play in the movie? Favorite movie, and what character would you play in that movie? Um, I'm a big sci-fi fan, so, uh, you know, Captain Kirk, any Star Wars, uh, <laughs> Star Trek movie, sorry. Um, you know, yeah. Okay, perfect. That's that's awesome. Uh, favorite book? Favorite book. Um, you know, one that sticks around for very long with me is Jim Collins, Good to Great. Okay. it's a good one. I like that. Yeah. I think some of the companies that he's referred to there, which he pointed out as great, have now since disappeared. But uh, yeah, but that and one of the first books that I read was uh, Bill Gates, and I'm trying to remember the name. Um, it was all about the DNA of an organization. And uh, yeah, uh, if I remember the name, I'll page you that name. Uh, Perfect. One of yeah, the first first authored books. It's not coming to me, but I'll, I'll look that one up. Um, all right, last question: What is your superpower? What is my superpower? I, I believe uh, just like how AI works in terms of taking in numerous amount of data and then spitting out a particular result about it. I think that's pretty much my superpower. I can look at, you know, 250 balls up in the air and 250 different uh, dimensions of data and then be able to analyze them and say, oh no, but you know, we think this is what, what's going to happen next. And this is what this company should focus on. 
I have a red button. I'm pushing it right now. Beep, beep. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I actually had an image I'd throw it up, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, work the same way. My brain just loves data. Just <laughs> scramble it, come up with nanosecond of, of uh, feedback. But I, I think that that's a great skill to have is being able to uh, sweep away all the clutter and all the things that don't need to be there and just go after what makes the most sense uh, yes. and push forward on that. So that's brilliant. I love that. Well, AJ, I want to say thank you very much for all your time today. I know we had a bit of a minor glitch. Maybe no one will ever know. We'll be able to edit through that uh, power <laughs> outage. But at the end of the day, it was uh, fantastic getting to chat with you. Uh, learned a lot. Took lots of notes, as I always do. Um, I'm old school, so I got to write things down so that I will never forget it. Uh, but the way we like to end our show is we like to give you the last word. So anything that you want to share to the investors or to the startup community, uh, we leave it to you. But thank you again for all your insights and for sharing. That uh, was brilliant. And uh, thank you again. Thank you, JP. I mean, this was such a pleasure talking to you. And I'm kind of old school too, right? So, you know, I have been people like it too. Uh, you know, last words, I would say, you know, we like from a perspective of where the world's going next, I think innovation is extremely, extremely important. For a country like Canada, where we have massive amount of natural resources, innovation is extremely important. We've been till now, we always practice our life as if we're sleeping next to an elephant. That's how our politics is. That's how our innovation strategy is too. Even, uh, you know, people have been telling me that even IRCC, which is Immigration, Refugee and Citizenship Canada, also looks at companies coming to Canada as people who could exploit the American market. I think I think it's been good for a while. It's been good for us. But I think what we have to do is, like China, build the country from within. I think that's one of the things that we should start doing, right? The demands for the United States are going to be different than the demands for us, right? They want to focus on Spanish. We will focus on French. They would want to focus on uh, paving as many roads so Ford can sell more cars. That's probably not an important thing for us. For us, it would be about bringing more tourism into the country or exploiting the north or being able to mine underground, right? I don't know why the hell are we not investing as much on hyperloop technologies and on underground tunneling technologies. I mean, today you could have a second city, 100 kilometers north. If you tunnel all the way underneath, you could spread your population. Right, you could mine the entire area or, or significant deposits if you could just mine underground without destroying the environment. So there are technologies and, and innovations that are going to be relevant to our country and we have to develop them. And I think we have to have open arms to the best talent in the world coming over to us. Uh, you know, America was not built only by Americans. They had the largest brain drain from the rest of the world into that country. At Canada, we got to do exactly the same. Uh, and, and we got to invest in them. We can't just bring them to the country. I think we got we to gotta empower our angel networks to be able to effectively give them that first dollar, that first guidance to be able to grow those people. I love that. Um, and the reason why I think that's fantastic, I'm going to have to introduce you to um, an investor uh, from Estonia. Um, uh, or that they're building an underground tunnel into Estonia. And these guys are awesome. His name is Kusta. And okay. uh, we did a, a double segment um, with this because it was so phenomenal. 
uh, on how they set this up um, with uh, tunneling to Tallinn, which was for Helsinki to uh, Tallinn to connect those startup ecosystems and those two uh, countries together. And it's exactly what they did is exactly what you're talking about, which is finding ways to be innovative, tunneling underground, moving and dispersing uh, people and being able to do it effectively without affecting the uh, rest of the world, the ozone and everything else around us. So I love that. Some great advice, which also shares to the fact that there's a lot of stuff that entrepreneurs can start thinking of and start uh, mining their own uh, opportunities in Canada. And there are a ton of them. We just got to start being more innovative and, and thinking outside the box. I mean, there's a great idea for an entrepreneur, right? Hey, you know, Mr. Trudeau, I'll build all your tunnels for free. Just give me mining rights to every deposit that I come as I tunnel through it, right? We, we know there's diamonds in Canada, there's gold in Canada, all of that stuff, right? You know, if I'm tunneling through it and I hit that pocket, that deposit is mine, uh, but I could tunnel for free. I love it. AJ, you're a brilliant man. Thank you very much for all your time today. Um, we will uh, obviously stay in touch and looking forward to seeing you at the next screening meeting, but thank you very much again for your time. Thank you so much, JP. It's such a pleasure being here.